Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the globe and on every major media platform. For everyone listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show if you have not already. Nothing you do will help us more immensely. Just a disclaimer for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We will call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Baltimore Orioles, winning the series all three games for their second clean sweep. News out of Fenway, Michael Chavis has been sent back to the alternate site after J.D. Martinez cleared COVID-19 protocols. The Red Sox will now head to Minnesota to face the Twins in a four-game set. News from around the league, Phillies reliever Archie Bradley has been placed on the IL with an oblique strain. There is no timetable for his return. Angels outfielder Dexter Fowler is out for the rest of the season with a torn ACL. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine, and co-hosting with me tonight from the city of Westwood, Massachusetts, is Jason Kelly. Jason, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Six and three. That's I'll take that after one week. So can't go wrong with that. Yeah, you guys had the the depressing show last week. You had to cover the sweep loss. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, tell me about it. That was brutal. Yeah, I went three to start the year. And where can they find you on Twitter, Jason? Uh, you can find me at Color of the Iris. Uh, that's color spelt the British way, O U R, instead of just O R. Uh, that's Color of the Iris. That's where you can find me. Very good, and. Also co-hosting with us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. How are you? Doing well, man. Doing well. How are things going over there? It's super, super cold Maine. (laughs) Well, we had like 70s this weekend. I had to use the AC in the car yesterday, so uh, didn't mind that. (laughs) Right on, man. No, it's it's crazy, you know. like I said, they're going to go six and three after nine games. No, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. You know, like I, I, I will admit it when I'm wrong, and I was wholeheartedly wrong. I think we were able to steal one away from Tampa Bay. Uh, I think we probably should be five and four right now in this series, which made me only one game off of what I thought was going to happen. That Rosarina playing right field kind of mm-hmm. set the stage for that uh, that victory right there, where JD had another two run double. JD, I feel like he homers and doubles like in every game. It's stupid. It's literally insane. Well, he has, he's on fire. Has had an extra base hit in every game so far, but we'll we'll get into Phenomenal. that. Where can they find you on Twitter, Charlie? Uh, for me, it's Smith underscore MLB. 
Not spelled the British way. No, just kidding. Uh, no, I decided not to be a horse's ass. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's 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 just Smith, S-M-I-T-H underscore M-L-B. Got it. And uh, I think I failed to give mine. If anybody wants to harass me on Twitter, that is at Cushman, M-L-B, all one word. So we will dive right into studs and duds for this Oriole series. Jason, you're leading off. Who is your stud for the series? I'm taking Matt Barnes. Um, and this was a guy that I, I said it in spring training. I said it in the offseason. Um, I did not want him to be the closer. I wanted, you know, Ottavino or someone more established to be the closer. I had my questions about Matt Barnes, but he is making a fool out of me. And he's making a fool out of anyone else who doubted him so far. Um, I mean, this weekend, he only pitched twice. He pitched in two games. Just two innings, but five Ks, no hits, no no runs, nothing. He just went in there and punched guys out. And for the season, he's perfect. He's he's pitched in four games. He hasn't allowed a run. He has a eleven strikeout, eleven strikeouts, one walk. Like that's insane. He he's just been on a whole nother level this first week of the season. And now, I don't know if he's going to cement himself as the closer because I think Alex Cora is still going to play around with that, especially when he's got such different arms in the bullpen, guys like Ottavino, Taylor. You know, we saw Andres close a game out this weekend. So, you know, I think Cora is going to play around with that ninth inning role. But Matt Barnes is just off to a phenomenal start, and he's showing that he could very well be the closer if if they named him that. So uh, hats off to him. He, he's just – he looks sharp. He looks, you know – Better, way better than he did last year. Um, keeps throwing strikes, keeps keeping guys off the base paths. So, really, you, you can't you can't uh, knock Matt Barnes for anything so far this year. He's been perfect, and you know, obviously, he won't stay perfect. He's going to get hit at least once at some point uh, to start this year, but he, he's been phenomenal. So, hopefully, he keeps it up and you know continues to solidify the back end of that bullpen because that's something that's this team really needs. I think Cora might be afraid to he, – he might be jinxing him if he actually does say he's the closer. <laughs> and so right. that's yeah. why we haven't seen it. Uh, I'm just guessing. But, Charlie, go ahead. Thoughts on Matt Barnes? I mean, Jason hit it on the head. He's literally been perfect. He's allowed one walk. He struck out 11 and I think, five innings of work, right? He's averaging o- almost over two strikeouts an inning. I, it's just – it's insane. Uh, one walk, five innings, 11 strikeouts. It's better than Craig Kimbrell, who's allowed – think it's at nine strikeouts and four and two thirds. I don't believe he's allowed to hit or walk, but I could be wrong. Um, one of the most dominant relievers right now in baseball. I mean, a lot of people thought it was going to be the, uh, that kid, Devin Williams out of Milwaukee. And really it's been three guys. It's been Matt Barnes, Craig Kimbrell, and former Red Sox prospect, Michael Kopech. Those three guys in the bullpen have been absolutely astounding to watch because it's like, okay, well, He's going to face three guys. I wonder which two are going to strike out. You literally have, you're going to get one of them right. It, it, it's it's that just automatic. Fantastic. Yeah, and Barnes doesn't really have the pedigree those guys have. He's, you know, had an up and down career and then this year off to the best start. So he's never really sustained it for the full year, but hopefully this could be the first. And just to be clear, he struck out of the six batters he faced this series, he struck out five of them. So he's just absolutely mowing down everyone. Today he was up warming because Phillips Valdez couldn't get 
through the inning, apparently. So he was up and warming, and they had to send Dave Bush out to the mound to to slow things down, to give Barnes more time. And uh, luckily, Valdez did manage to end the game uh, on that last batter because he was coming out if he didn't get to uh, retire him. But it's just been... It's just been a lot of fun to to watch Barnes. Like the other thing too, going back to game two, we nearly blow the game. We'll get to that in a little bit. And Cora was bringing guys out for the second inning to get at least maybe one more out. So they were they were pitching in multiple innings, and then Barnes comes out and just mows down his three guys. And I was thinking, we're in extras at that point, and I'm thinking, well, he's going to bring him out again. Why Why not pitch him again in the second inning, especially if a runner's going to be on second? He, there's no guaranteed lockdown guy that's been pitching that's been pitching better than Barnes. And, and then, sure enough, Barnes doesn't come out. He's the only guy who doesn't come out for an at least an extra out in the next inning, and then Andres comes in and luckily got out of it. But <laughs> I'm just surprised Cora just didn't stick with the hot hand there. And, you know, it worked out, so not, nobody's really talking about it right now. But it was it was right. uncomfortable to watch. Uh, Charlie, go ahead. You're stud for the series. Uh, my stud for the series is someone who just went off. I mean, just – Hold my beer went off. There's really two guys in the lineup that did that. Uh, Rafi Devers went into the series two for 19, two, two for 19 with two singles hitting 105 and had one RBI. And then exploded in this series and went six for uh, six for 13. He homered in each game and decided to do an encore performance in the third game of the series, hitting two, two bombs had five RBIs. He struck out four times. He still had nine RBIs. I, I don't know what they're putting in the water, but like now everyone is like, oh, okay, let's let's start hitting. You know, five runs, four homers, couple singles, just insanity, like insanity. Jason, thoughts on Devers? Yeah, that's one way to sort out a slump is uh, go to Baltimore, hit at Camden Yards against that crappy bullpen and that crappy starting rotation. They even talked about it on the broadcast that, like, I guess left-handed hitters love Camden Yards more so than right-handed hitters. Like, I guess the batter's eye is really good for lefties there. So Devers took advantage, and he he woke out of his slump and just mashed in this series, and it was great to see. They need him to get going. We know that J.D.'s gotten going. Um, you know, Verdugo has started to pick it up a little bit. The lineup is finally starting to score runs, but you need Devers there. You need that big lefty power bat to be that big lefty power bat and to finally start hitting the ball out of the park, not just slapping singles. So it was great to see the power output. Um, again, I think Camden Yards helps a lot with that. It's, it's a home run friendly ballpark. So that probably helped a lot, but if that gets his swing on track and if that gets him feeling good and he gets into a groove now as you know, heading off to Minnesota, great. Because, you know, he's got a pretty good ballpark there for left-handers, too. You know, if you can get over that wall, that's that's a pretty shallow right field out there. So it's good to see Devers powering up. It's exactly what they need. And it's exactly what he needed, too, because that was not a fun slump for him to start the year. It was, you know, especially when they actually did start hitting and he still just couldn't quite get it going in the Tampa series. Uh, for him to come out 
here in Baltimore and just, I mean, and the home runs were, I mean, they were no, no doubters. They were not cheap home runs. He was launching. So it's good. He, he needs to hit for power. He needs to be that consistent threat behind JD in the lineup. And this is a good way to get that started. He did have a great series. He was six for 13. And, and like you guys said, had a home run in every game and, and two today. And I kind of noticed with Tampa, he was starting to have better at bats. He wasn't necessarily getting hits, but you could tell he was—he wasn't lost, and and he was close. And by the end of that series, he he had a game with a couple hits, and then came into this one. And April's never been Devers' best month. He's always had struggles, especially defensively. He had a couple of really good defensive plays in this series, including one in the extra innings game where he kind of had to lunge uh, towards the line to to snag one all the way over on the, the third baseline, and then he was still able to rifle it back into first base over to Dahlbeck to get the out. So he's definitely – I don't know if, if Cora lit him up and – kind of ripped into him behind the scenes, but he's firing on all cylinders and he's going to be a juggernaut this year. I, I said he was going to be one of our top offensive, you know, producers. And I just, uh, it's early, but I think, I think the guy's going to end up in Cooperstown someday just with his bat. I really do. I he was twelfth in the MVP voting in, in twenty nineteen. I wouldn't be shocked if he's a little higher than that. You know, seventh, eighth, ninth, something like that this year. He he's definitely going to be one of the the more robust power guys at third base this season. And uh, I I can't believe I can't believe Bloom didn't extend him. <laughs> I, we all thought that that was going to be one of them. And and Bloom did say that they would have extension talks with some people. I mean, who else could they have had talks with? Devers, Rodriguez, who, as far as we know, never even had a conversation. And I think Verdugo's probably a year too early to be messing with that anyway. And uh, so, I don't know. I I hope that becomes a big topic over the course of this season because that offense is hard to ignore. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you do have to, you do worry a little bit, right. With, you know, the lack of contract talks that it's eerily similar to, you know, or it's looking like it's eerily similar to what happened with Mookie. You know, it's just no extension yet, no extension yet. Oh, he's gone. Like, let, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But obviously, like you said, it's still pretty early. So, it's it's almost to me like Bloom is obsessed with not having his own guys. Like he wants all the Dombrowski and the Sherrington guys gone because he wants his own team. And I that's just my speculation, but I, I would have thought there might have been some urgency with, with Devers where it seems like he was going to take what could have been a team-friendly deal. And when you're seeing the type of offense you're seeing today – he should still be had at a major discount compared to some of the guys next off season, Trevor story, Carlos Correa. And I, I know they're middle infielders, but, but still, I mean, they're going to be signed for their bats. 
And so we'll see. That's going to be a topic uh, going forward, I'm sure. My my stud for the series, and normally I, I pick last, but I made it a point to make sure I could have this guy because he's the only stud I've had all season, and that's J.D. Martinez. And I, I just feel like it's good karma. And if I didn't go with him, then he might go into a slump, you know, a two-for-20 slump over the next couple series or whatever. Um, he did have to sit out a game because apparently he had the sniffles or something. And, um, you know, so COVID protocol had to happen. And, uh, luckily there was a Friday was an off day. So that kind of played into his favor. And then Saturday was the game he sat out, but really robust again, uh, all, you know, in the two games he did start. Six for 11 overall. He was two for five in the series opener and then four for six today with three home runs. It's the third time in his career he has, he has hit three and just couldn't miss. Just couldn't miss. When, when you could tell it was hard contact, it was an automatic home run off the bat. You just, you knew it was going out. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had, what, two to left field today and then one to right. So he's I, maybe I have that backwards. But he's he's going to multiple parts of the field is the point that I'm making. And when he's on and just in a, in a rhythm, he, he will be going to all parts of the field. So um, it, it was certainly good to see. And... I don't know if a DH can win MVP. I, I don't think it's ever happened, but he's he's going to be at the top of a lot of offensive categories by by the time the year's out. So. That I mean, here's the thing: he needs to maintain it. He can't just do this every once in a series. I would rather see a specific. I'm going to say a level of consistency that we haven't yet seen from him because going 105 and then bringing your batting average up to 250 because you hit well over 500, four home runs and nine RBIs. Like if he doesn't do anything for the next series, then do we call it a fluke or do we say, okay, cool. Well, now he's just trying to, you know, readjust after facing. I, 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 I don't know. Like, I don't know what to say about Baltimore because we got smoked the first series. And even after six games, Baltimore still got two runs on us in six games, which is insane because it feels like we should probably be up by like 10 because of home run derby. But Baltimore has actually scored two more runs than us this year in the, in the season series. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, for me, I would, I, I need to see some consistency there before I'm, I'm saying anything with MVP there. Uh, JD right now has that award hands down. He's leading the league in homers and ribbies. So let's see what happens. Jason. Yeah, I still think it's really encouraging to see, though. I mean, this is a guy, he was a oh, joke. Yeah. He was a joke in the in the COVID season last year. And, you know, we all rightfully jumped on him for it because, especially in hindsight, where he came into this season admitting that he didn't prepare. He didn't take last year seriously at all. He didn't prepare. He didn't have his little iPad. So he was all pissy about that. And he didn't play well. He was awful. Um, this year, he gets his little iPad back, which is very nice for him. Um, I guess he did actually prepare because we're getting a full season. And I don't know, maybe Cora being back is is a factor too. I don't think that he could really bring himself to play hard for Ron Renicky, who I think we all knew was just there for one year just to kind of 
hold Cora's seat while he was suspended. So maybe all those factors come into play. Maybe that's why JD's back. And he really does look like he's back. Like you said, he's hitting the ball to all fields. He's hitting oppo homers. He's he's pulling the ball when he needs to. Every time he makes contact, it's hard contact. Like he's hitting the ball hard. He's not getting any cheap outs, you know. Um, so that's huge. If JD Martinez is is back, like officially back, and he's in the middle of your lineup every day, poof, I mean, and you know, we just talked about Devers heating up. Like this is the offense that people were talking about in spring training and heading into the season. That yep, don't worry about the Red Sox offense; they're going to score runs. And we all kind of laughed at that, you know, last weekend after the sweep, going, "Oh, really? Yeah, no, they look great." Well, they've woken up. They they finally have woken up, and like Charlie said, it has to be consistent. You can't just go off in one series and then, you know, I don't want to see JD going, you know, one for sixteen against Minnesota. That that's that's not going to help. So as long as it's consistent and he keeps it up, this is great. It's great all around for the Red Sox. And I mean, he's had an extra base hit in every game, so I mean, he's definitely uh, you know made his mark that way. I think he's played seven out of nine so far, so. At least seven extra base hits. And here's the interesting thing that I I don't think we thought we would ever have this conversation, but he can opt out at the end of the year and sign a big contract. And he was untradeable last offseason, so it's kind of crazy that potentially he could opt out and go for a bigger deal. So... I have a feeling Bloom would wouldn't mind that necessarily. I mean, but oh, we know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he's and off, money? no. If he's off the charts though, and and some of those, you know, the Casas type guys, the Duran type guys, if they aren't quite ready, then then maybe, ha- you know, Martinez would be somewhat of a security blanket, but. Um, but dude's going off. So I, I hope, uh, I hope it continues. Uh, some honor. Have you, go ahead. I was going to say you compare his numbers from last year to this year in 54 games. He had seven homers, 27 RBIs, (laughs) walked 22 times, had a two thirteen batting average in eight games this year. He has 10 runs. So he has half the amount of runs has seven doubles, one under the halfway mark from last year. Five home runs, 16 RBIs, 472 batting average. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. What a difference yeah. a contract year makes. So basically, <laughs> he's he basically hit half the home runs he had in, in 2020 today, just about <laughs> just a half a home <laughs> run short. Yeah. So that's uh, that's an insane stat. Uh, go, getting into some of the honorable mentions, and there's there's a number of them because we had a sweep. Alex Verdugo, 4 for 14, got his first home run today, which kind of broke things open early for the Red Sox, gave Nick Pavetta a cushion immediately to work with. Then we had Franchi Cordero, who's just quietly been solid. I know Andrew had him as a stud in the last episode, but... Three for nine, had a hit in every game. Uh, one of them was just a, a single pinch hit appearance in, in game two, but he did get a hit uh, in that appearance. Also, Christian Vasquez, five for 15, continues to be 
very steady in the middle of the order. It'd be interesting to see where he lines up with Real Muto as the as the season comes to a close because I, I think those two will be uh, number one and two in some order. Xander Bogarts, three for eight. He did sit out game one of the series. And even though he was 0 for 3 in game two, he did draw two walks. So pretty solid series for him. And then getting into the pitching, uh, we didn't, we were very offense heavy with our studs, but Eduardo Rodriguez comes back. First start since 2019, goes five innings, gives up four hits, three earned runs, walked nobody, struck out seven. Uh, Garrett Whitlock pitched that game. Two full innings pitched, gave up zero hits, zero earned runs, walked nobody, struck out three. Extremely solid there. Um, And then Garrett Richards, I mean, that wasn't the prettiest uh, performance, but five innings, three hits, two earned runs, which were both solo shots in the first inning. Walked three, struck out four. Nick Pavetta. Uh, six innings pitch, seven hits, four earned runs, three of which came in the final inning that he pitched, and three walks, seven strikeouts. So a lot, lot of a uh, lot of positive uh, pitching performances. But uh, any uh, any thoughts on any of them, Jason? Yeah, I was I was really impressed with Pavetta again. Um, I, I felt a little bad that he got left in there a little bit too long, and so he gave up some runs today, which hurt his ERA for sure. But I love the pace that he works at. I love that he's a strike thrower. Um, I think at times his his breaking ball can get him into trouble, but for the most part, that's a guy that was sort of back into the rotation. Like, you know, everyone said, oh, yeah, he's going to be in there, and, you know, he's, he's you're absolutely number four, number five. And I don't know, I had a lot of questions about him because he's never quite put it together his whole career, but He's looking like a pretty good find, you know, and again, they got him for nothing. I mean, they got him for, you know, Hembry and uh, and Workman. So uh, that's looking like a really good trade by Bloom because I think Pavetta, you know, once he settles in, uh, he's going to be a good back end of the rotation kind of guy. Yeah, and he, it would have just been nice to see him get into a rhythm Though I, there there were times where I was thinking, uh oh, especially with the walks, and but he's on the right track, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charlie, uh, any thoughts on that large cluster <laughs> of players? Um, I'm not gonna lie. When Garrett Richards had two runs allowed, both on home runs <laughs> after the first inning, I was thinking, oh my god. <laughs> Dear Jason, he's throwing up on his shoes again. Damn it. And then that was it. So it was like he either heard me complaining or I don't know. But it was it was incredibly reassuring to see because uh, it was that uncomfortable feeling that you saw. You starting to feel it like we just got two runs. We gave you a little bit of support and then you blew it. And uh, it's it's it wasn't a good feeling. And I thought, oh, here we go. We lost three already, and here we go again. That's like riding a roller coaster with no seatbelt on. Good luck. Um, so it, that was incredibly encouraging. I ate my words on that one. Yes, he's had one crap start. He's had one good start. Um, we said it right at the beginning of the show. When they do well, we'll praise them. If, they, if they're dogging <laughs> it, they're going to get called out. 
and he did. So I found myself saying I was wrong, at least in the second start. And thank God, thank God he shaved the mustache. Like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah. crap. It, wonder, wonderful things can happen when you choose not to have a crappy, disgusting mustache. So good for Garrett Richards. Very few people could pull that off. Like, Justin Verlander could grow a mustache, and no one can say crap about it. You know, Max Scherzer, too, probably. Um, but yeah, th- Eckersley. Th- Eckersley pulled it off. Oh, yeah, in the in the 90s. I feel like they're less common now. You know, people have the full beards like two of us on this show do right now. Um, <laughs> so it's just kind of weird to, to see a mustache, but... But with Richards, I'm glad he kept us in the game, and it was unquestionably a much better start. But his was a lot more uncomfortable to me because he did give up the runs, and he labored the whole time. And it wasn't until, I think, in the fourth inning when Dave O'Brien's like, yeah, he hasn't given up a hit since that first inning. And I was like, wow, he hasn't because he he did have a bunch of walks. But um, we'll see. I'm still pretty skeptical against a, a Toronto type lineup or a New York type lineup. So it, it's going to be a little while before I'm comfortable with a guy like Richards, but, but Rick Porcello won the Cy Young in 2016. So, <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see what happens. And it'll be interesting to see who continues to catch him because I'm pretty sure it was uh, it, actually, it was Plowecki catching him uh in game in in his second game here um versus Vasquez the first time and they couldn't get on the same page uh in that first series. So so we'll see. Maybe maybe Polowecki ends up being the guy to uh to catch him. But great series offensively. Um, we'll get into uh, the duds at this point, and there there actually were some to to pick from, despite the fact it was a sweep. So, uh, let's get started on them. Uh, Jason, who was your dud for the series? My dud was Mister Strikeout himself, Bobby Dahlbeck. Um, just for a you know a weekend where the offense explodes there's always that one guy that sticks out like a sore thumb because he didn't quite hop on the the the, the offensive explosion train and that was Bobby Dahlbeck uh he went 1 for 11 with two walks 5 Ks no no home runs one RBI no hits um i believe at the moment he's hitting 095 on the season he's had 21 at bats he's 2 for 21 Nine strikeouts, two walks. Um, he looks like a mess. He looks like a mess at the plate. He just he swings out of his ass every time. He's getting blown away by you know by fastballs up. Um, he's chasing bad breaking balls. I mean, he really does. He is the Red Sox version of Pedro Serrano. I mean, just he can't he can't hit a curveball. He can't catch up to fastballs. He looks like he's flailing away up there. Um, now. When he does make contact, can he hit it a long way? Absolutely, he can. Yeah, but he's not making contact. He's just he's getting challenged, and he's not winning those challenges. Um, now, defensively, he's been pretty solid. He did make an error this weekend, so the defense is even starting to slip a little bit. I don't know how patient the Red Sox can afford to be because even though the rest of their offense is firing on all cylinders, and you might be able to say, well, it's okay if you have one guy that's kind of struggling. He's not just kind of struggling. He's he's just a black hole at the bottom of your lineup. I mean, he's 
he's the new Jackie Bradley Jr. It just he comes up and it's it's uh, it's a strikeout or it's going to be an out like it's going to be an out of some kind. So I don't know how much more patient they can be. Um, I assume they'll give him a couple more weeks, maybe even the rest of the month to hopefully, you know, he catches fire and hopefully he gets it going before they have to make a move. But uh, they might have to think about, you know, bringing Chavis back up, sending him down pretty soon because he just looks overmatched. You know, this is more than this isn't just, well, he's making hard contact, but they're all outs and uh, he's just had some bad, bad luck. He's getting overmatched. He can't hit, uh, you know, he can't hit these high fastballs and uh, just looks lost up there. So it's it's tough to see because this is a guy that, you know, they've been hyping up a lot. A lot of people picked him for potential rookie of the year. Um, he's looking like he may not make it out of the month of April. So really, really tough start to the season. Another bad series for Bobby Dahlbeck. I think eight, the end of the month would be optimistic, really. I, I think it could happen much sooner, but yeah, so, it could be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't look good when you're averaging two strikeouts a game almost. You go one for 11 with a double, and that's your saving grace. You had a run in RBI. You committed an error. Like, you, it, it's not even that you can't hit, you're not fielding your position. You got to have at least one if you're striking out, for lack of a better term, on both ends of the spectrum here. Uh, we got to look at other options. And Dahlbeck was not my pick to, to stay up. I, I, you know, we know his power is there, but he's also mashing home runs in spring training against nobodies, you know, and that's not going to get it done. If you're not facing major league pitching, you're facing double triple A pitching. These guys that have 15.88 ERAs in spring training, no one knows and no one cares about. It's great. You hit a home run against Jack Nobody. He was never going to make it to the big leagues anyway. We knew the strikeouts were going to be there, and that was concerning because you're striking out against Johnny Nobody. The problem is you're not hitting any home runs. The expectation is that you do something. You're getting a double in a series? I'm sorry. I think I have a better chance of taking his spot and getting on base more often just by not even swinging the freaking bat. So it, it's got... He's got so much talent. It's just a matter of harnessing and bringing that in. It, it's He's got to get it to click because you can't afford to have someone come up and strike out 50% of the time without any reward. It's too much risk. And with the bases loaded, that's the last person in the lineup that I want hitting. So, yeah, it's, it's tough. And he hasn't even been facing good pitching yet either. You know, Tampa was okay, I guess, but we're we're going to face some good pitching this week in, in Minnesota. We'll we'll get to that shortly, but he is an automatic out, and he came up with runners on base in the the extra inning game, and I don't know, I, it might have been the ninth inning that he came in, and we were still down by a run. And Cora Pinch hit Christian Arroyo with with Franchi Cordero. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine because Arroyo isn't hitting either. But I'm like, is he really going to let Dahlbeck go to the plate with with runners on down a run in the ninth inning? <laughs> and he did. And he grounded into a fielder's choice. 
and hustled to first, beat the throw. That allowed the third base runner to to score. So he got he got all this praise for that RBI. And I'm like, well, you know, it just, it worked out. But it's not going to work out a lot going forward. So, and part of me, when, when I heard Chavis got called up to fill in for JD while he was in the, the COVID protocols, I was wondering, is Chavis going to stay? And maybe Dahlbeck goes down? Since Chavis is already here, it didn't happen. Chavis went back today before the game, but, um, but yeah, I have I like Dahlbeck. He's a good kid. He's got the he's got the presence of a guy who who can mash, but we're just not seeing it. And I just wonder if being up here and utterly failing like he is, is, is really the best thing for him at this point. So we'll see any more uh, thoughts on Dahlbeck. No, I just, I think that's a fair point. It's like, if he's going to, if you're going to keep him up because you think, well, at some point he's going to break out of this slump and he just doesn't, how much is that going to hurt his development where maybe you send him down, he gets some more work in, he learns how to, you know, not touch the high fastball as much or whatever. Um, they are going to have a decision to make pretty soon because you can't have a guy hitting 095, you know, playing every day in your lineup, um, you know, going forward, especially if you do want to contend, which they do. So they, they've got some decisions to make and they're going to have to make them pretty soon. And that he's going to be replaced by a guy who, if we're lucky, will hit 195. <laughs> Chavis, so. I know. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably his saving grace is that the alternative is not much better. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's no Mitch Moreland here to to take the at bats. I guess well, Gonzalez has been playing uh, that corner, but he he's not doesn't yeah. quite have the presence. But go ahead, Charlie, your stud for the series, a uh, dud for the series. Excuse me, dud. You're dud. dud. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say because I could come up with a second stud. That's not gonna be hard for the series. <laughs> it's uh, not. So my dud for this one was uh was Bryce. Uh, he only pitched in that one game, but uh, just got absolutely rocked. Um, two thirds of an inning, a lot of hit, three runs, three earned, two walks, a homer. Did strike out both batters to get out, but I mean, limited time. Wasn't impressed. Obviously, that's not a good performance. There were very few blemishes. This was one of them. I mean, there there wasn't much much else to say. You know, there was only a couple of players that didn't do that great. Dahlbeck was the worst hitter, and I think Austin Bryce was was the worst pitcher. So, Bryce. Jason. Yeah, Bryce is just he's a jag. He's just a guy. Um, there's really not much special about him. There's there's kind of a reason why he's bounced around different teams throughout his career. Um he's, you know, he sort of would be the odd man out if they were ever to make a move for for more pitching. He's the guy that would go. He's he's the weakest spot in that bullpen in my mind. It's maybe it's a toss up between him and Valdez, but I think Bryce is a little less sharp. Um he just doesn't have he doesn't have blow you away kind of stuff. He just average fastball. The arm slot is probably his best weapon because he's difficult for right-handers, but they're still hitting the ball hard against him because his stuff just isn't very good. So at the end of the day, that doesn't even really matter either. Um, yeah, he's he's probably going to, if he stays in the bullpen for 
the rest of the season, which I doubt. But if he does, he'll have the worst ERA of that bunch because he, I think he is the least talented out of them. So um, hopefully he kind of taps back into whatever he was doing last year where he had, he had some pretty good outings during the COVID season. But if he doesn't, then uh, he's, he's probably not going to be on this roster for much longer. Yeah, and I think we're fortunate to to have such a deep bullpen and that he's the, the worst guy because I think a lot of bullpens out there have two or three guys like, like Bryce that they just don't want pitching unless they're way ahead or way behind and essentially mop up duty. So we'll, we'll see if Cora and Dave Bush can kind of – tap into something with him but he's definitely not a guy i want in there um you know if the game's close and it wasn't close he he helped make it close today i think we had a uh i don't know a seven it it was a seven run lead something like that we're up nine to nine to two or something and and yeah it, it got a little bit closer with bryce so my dud for the series also comes out of the bullpen. Uh, Adam Ottavino got knocked around a little bit in game two of the series. And uh, let's see, gave up two earned runs, uh, three hits, struck out one. And not going to kill him. I mean, I feel like he is going to be one of the more serviceable guys going in there, but we had a lead, gave it up, and we were going to have one chance in the bottom of the ninth to try to overcome that, and and luckily we tied it and uh, played a, a couple extra innings, and, you know, Ottavino was the cause for that. So uh, he just didn't have it. Gave up, gave up some hits, and um, but the the offense bailed him out. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. He was the second worst pitcher, and that's not really saying too much because it's not like they did that bad. It, it's that we just had a couple pitchers that had a rough appearance. That's it. One inning, couple runs. Awesome Rice just did a little bit worse in a little less time on the mound. That's it. You know, I'm just gonna keep it short and sweet. This is just a bush. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you have to hope it is. It, it's a blip on the radar, right? Because Ottavino, you know, when he's on, he's really good. And he was actually a guy who I thought would be the leading candidate, be the closer for this team when it's all said and done. Um, that that role might be slipping away from him, especially with the way Matt Barnes has been throwing it. Um, but you hope that this isn't, oh, this is why the Yankees gave him up for nothing. Huh. Okay. I guess he doesn't have it anymore. Let's hope it's not that. Let's hope it is just blip on the radar, one blemish, one bad outing. You know, they'll get him into some more games, work him, work him into the uh into the games a little bit more here, and he'll settle himself in and he'll be fine because he's always been a good reliever. I can't imagine that he's just fallen off a cliff here. So bad outing, sure, but I'm definitely not hitting the panic button. He's he's too established and he has too good of a track record to, you know, to hit the panic button just yet. Yeah, and I probably should have mentioned he had two strikes on a couple of those hitters and and then gave up the hit. So he just needs to, you know, find a a way to finish these guys off a a little more effectively. And I thought I had another thing. I'm really spacey lately. 
But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll just kind of kind of see how uh, you know his uh, situation continues to unfold. But I'm guessing it's still going to be a lot of seventh and eighth innings. The only dishonorable mention, and we've kind of touched on him a little bit, uh, was Phillips Valdez. So, I mean, is what it is. I think he might be a little bit more salvageable than Bryce is, you know, with some attention from the pitching coaches. But, um, but we're we're not going to see him in high leverage situations either way. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Where did I put? Oh, on the back here. All right. So uh, not really a whole lot of news to go over in the open segment. So we'll just jump right into the uh, Twins matchup. And I know we're riding a high right now, uh, but I, I think things are going to come down to earth a little bit and the team's going to grind a little bit more. Um, so we'll kind of get into the matchups right now. Uh, game one, which is tomorrow. And the other annoying thing for the listening audience, if you don't know this already, they are all one o'clock starts all week long. So no baseball in prime time, unless you're watching other teams. But um, so tomorrow afternoon, Martin Perez will face Jay Happ, who's been pitching very well, a 225 ERA for Happ. So, um, We'll uh, we'll touch on that in a second. Game two, Nathan Avoldi versus Kenta Maeda, also pitching very well for the Minnesota Twins. Eduardo Rodriguez will take game three on Wednesday against Jose Barrios, who has been absolutely lights out. And then finally, uh, in the series finale on Thursday afternoon, we will walk the tightrope again with Garrett Richards versus Michael Pineda, who has also been lights out. So their pitching is, is is rock solid. So getting back up to game one here, Perez versus Jay Happ. I'm going to be optimistic and say that'll be a win for the Red Sox one way or the other. Jason, how do you feel about it? I would like to say that it will be, but I feel like Jay Happ always kind of had the Red Sox number, whether he was with Toronto or whether he was with the Yankees. I might be wrong on that. I, I didn't have the exact numbers of him against the Red Sox, but I always I feel like he always comes in and we always say, oh, Jay Happ, he's old. He's got nothing. He throws 86 miles an hour. Who cares? And, you know, Sabathia for years did the same thing, but they always kind of find a way to win. Um, so... I don't know. I, you know, I, but Martin Perez, he's kind of Mr. Consistent, right? You know what you're going to get out of him. He's not going to give up too many runs. He'll go at least five or six innings. So that one's a toss up for me, I guess, but I'm kind of leaning towards Minnesota taking that one. I just, wow. I have a, I have a bad feeling about Jay Happ and just, I don't know. I feel like he just, he knows how to pitch against the Red Sox. Charlie. Yeah. Um, Jay Happ has. 13 career wins against the Red Sox. The only team he has more wins against is, oh, nobody. (laughs) So, yes, he's had the benefit of pitching a significant amount of time in the American League East. But here's the thing. You still got to do it. You still have to get the wins. You still have to get the job done. And that's something he's done. Uh, Whether he's pitching in Toronto, whether he's pitching for New York, 
He still had to face the Red Sox. He still got the wins. Um, Jason's right. He's had, he's had the number. Uh, it's going to be, it'll be an interesting game. I would love to say the Red Sox have this one. I was pessimistic over the first nine. Minnesota is really good. Jose Barrios is one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he's up there with, I'm going to say his name again, Corbin Burns, <laughs> who I said was going to win the NL Cy Young. And for those not paying attention, homie had a no-hitter perfect game going through six. Like, just disgusting stuff. <laughs> I think I think we win one game in this series. Well, let's uh, just oh. kind of keep going through it here, though. Um, yeah, Hap, we did get to in the playoffs, though. If you if you remember, uh, in twenty eighteen, we tuned them up pretty good. Uh, we did, yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, the, we don't quite have the same exact roster we have. Like for instance, Steve Pierce isn't here uh, anymore. But uh, game two, I, I am a little concerned about this one. Nathan Avoldi has been pitching well. So uh, I'm not too concerned with him, but Kenta Maeda is just one of those tricky guys, and this roster hasn't really seen him. I, I can't remember what he might have pitched in the 2018 World Series with the Dodgers, but he wasn't starting any games. And so just one of those tricky guys who has just been a solid number two since arriving in Minnesota. So... Jason, what are your thoughts on that matchup? Yeah, I actually like the Red Sox in that one because I think Evaldi will duel him. Um, I, that's probably going to be a low-scoring game, but I do think they'll get just enough. If not out of Maeda, maybe they get it out of the Twins' bullpen. But Evaldi's just on fire right now. He, he just looks so good. He looks completely in command. Um, I think he'll out-duel Maeda, and I think the Red Sox will score just enough. and It'll be a low-scoring one, but I think they will take that game. Charlie, this is actually the same. Uh, so when we're talking about the, you know, the four games that we're going to be looking at, this was actually also the game that I had um, where we were going to win. Um, you're not winning game three. That's just no. Uh, but yeah, Evaldi does look really locked in um, to the point where, I mean, we're just a couple of grunts away from 2018 vintage Evaldi. And it's it's almost like everything is coming to fruition right now. Like everything is all systems go, everything's firing and whatnot. But I'm also trying to remain level headed. We just faced Baltimore, who tuned us for three straight games, but we just tuned Tampa Bay and then Baltimore right after. So yes, I think I'd be riding the high if I didn't say uh, you know, we have to, you know, keep a level head here. Minnesota does have a good team and they have the ageless wonder Nelson Cruz who could go off anytime. Like I think he was around during the time of Jesus. He looks aged, but he's still fantastic. Um, so it's, it's, I think Evaldi's to lose here. All right, we'll keep rolling. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez versus Jose Barrios, ace versus ace. Ours is more of a de facto ace, despite the fact he's been pitching pretty well. Um, we're going to get creamed that game. <laughs> That's what yeah, I'm game saying. Barrios. Next game four, please. Yeah, sorry. Like, sorry. 
Let's don't let's not waste time. Yeah, sorry. Barrios is too nasty. I, I don't <laughs> I don't see that one going our way. He's he's filthy. Did you guys see the curveball? It's on YouTube. If you look up nastiest curveballs, there's one where he buckles. I'm not I'm not sure who it was. I think it was against Chicago. Um, but this pitch, it goes, and for the fans that are listening, for the listeners, it moves. It's got like not some 12-6 downage, some like 2-7-30 downage. That thing curves nice. And it is disgusting. You just don't see a curveball like that. So if that's if that's anywhere remotely close to that level in April, forget it come May June. It's done. If he can get that pitch really working, like dude, homie's gonna be tossing the sauce all game. It's not gonna matter what you <laughs> what you try to put up. It's not happening. It's oh I mean, arguably one of the best pitchers. He's a lock for top two, top three best pitchers in the American League, arguably the league. He's consistently going to go out and give you six plus, probably strike out eight or nine guys, allow a couple runs, if that. He's uh, fantastic. Yeah, he's going to be playing peekaboo with Bobby Dahlbeck, however many times he makes it in the lineup. But <laughs> this is Barrios has long been thought to be a Cy Young type guy, but he's just never quite broken that barrier that that pushes him up to the elite. He's been solid his whole career. But he's just never broken through that last barrier. And I, I think this is the year, finally, that he's going to probably be a, no worse than a top three or four Cy Young guy. And uh, Rodriguez gets the the unlucky straw there uh, to have to face him. But um, but it'll, it'll be fun to see. Anyway, I, I, I like I, I like watching elite pitching. And, and uh, we'll get it on Wednesday. Well, if we watch the reruns, that is. Game four, again, Michael Pineda. Red Sox fans might remember him from the Sunday night start on ESPN Baseball when he was pitching for the Yankees and thought it would be a good idea to slather some pine tar on his neck. And uh, that wouldn't be obvious. And uh, he was ejected from the game. Um, but yeah, and he's since had a PED suspension. So a guy that doesn't make a lot of smart choices, but he is pitching well and he, he drew the lucky straw. He gets to face Garrett Richards. So, um, I, I think that's a loss, but, uh, Jason, how do you, how do you see it going? Uh, so I got, I had to I got myself for that one. Sorry. Hey, uh, I got two predictions for this game. My right. first is actually that the Red Sox will win. Really? I do think they'll actually win that game because I think that they they know how to hit Michael Pineda. Um, it's going to be a high-scoring game because my second prediction is that Nelson Cruz is going to hit two jacks off Garrett Richards. At least two. He might hit three. Who knows? Um, but, yeah, Nelson Cruz is going to have a field day against Garrett Richards. That's, that's going to be nasty. Um, so it's going to be probably an ugly, high-scoring game. But I don't think Pineda is very good. I know he's been good to start this year, but I saw him in spring training. He looks like a whale. I mean, geez, he like I know he was away from the game for a while, but he looks awful and just I can't imagine it's going to keep up. I think the Red Sox do hit him well. Um, obviously, he can't use his pine tar anymore, which is a shame for him. Um, but yeah, I it's, I don't think he's very good. So I think the Red Sox offense will explode that game. They're going to have to because I think. 
the Twins offense is going to get to Garrett Richards as well. But I think they'll take that one. I think they'll they'll split the series by winning that one. Charlie. I agree with you that Nelson that Nelson Cruz could go off. But I have thoughts about Garrett Richards. And they're not happy thoughts like Robin Williams in the movie Hook. I just can't get behind Garrett Richards after one game. I I I'm trying for Andrew to get behind Garrett Richards. But it's been one bad game and one I'm going to say one good game because two solo home runs as your only two blemishes can't fault you for that. Unfortunately, you're just not proven and it's Minnesota. And if they start knocking Garrett Richards around, is he going to have the the good psyche? Is he going to be able to handle the fact that uh Okay, maybe, maybe I gave it three runs in the first two innings. Can I deal with that? And I don't think that Richards is there yet. I don't know what Pineda's going to do. Pineda's doing fine so far this year, but also it's been two games. So it's it could go either way. I just, I'm nervous to say that Richards can win this. The only way that Richards wins this game is if somebody else hits three home runs. Not named J.D. Martinez because it's not his turn this time. Somebody else. It, it's hard. Yeah, I we could be coming off of a very low offensive game with with Barrios pitching. And so I, I just don't know how how much momentum we're gonna have coming into that last game and I'm just gonna take them at face value for, for how they have been pitching their first couple times out and I just I think the twins are gonna are gonna win that game. Uh, so and it's funny because Jason and I are uh, big time out of sync here. W- what I'm worried about, he's not worried about, and, and vice versa. So, <laughs> so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it really does play out. Because I hope I'm wrong on on the ones that I'm concerned with. But I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this series is a split, and it looks to me like we could win the first two games and not the second two. But things have a way of playing out, you know, maybe we'll lose one that I'm not expecting, but then we'll win one. So I'm just going to call it an even split is my official prediction for the series. Yeah, I feel the same way. I think it'll end in a split. um, Once they take that game on Thursday, it's a split. If the offense goes off in game four, offense doesn't go off. It's one three. Yeah. And I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we only come away with, with one win, but, but I, I wouldn't be shocked if we win four, who knows? I mean, it's a streak. (laughs) streak. Streaks are never something you ever really see coming. I'm just trying to pull up our schedule because I I know it does get pretty tough starting now. The month of uh, April was looking pretty intense. We face Chicago after that. We do. And Chicago is Michael Kopech, yeah. and you know Kopech's going to be gunning at least twice in that series. Yeah, we got four games. We come home to face Chicago, so those will be in Fenway, and then we have uh, just a weird two-game set against the Blue Jays. And then four games at home versus Seattle, 
I don't know how that's going to go. I mean, they have to be better than what they have been. But uh, and then we got the Mets and the Rangers. That's the next. Uh, that's the next road trip. So this is a long homestand. This is ten games. So uh, that will be at Fenway. Well, yeah. The other thing too to keep in mind is we don't have a very good home record uh, since from 2019 forward. So hopefully that changes. The other thing too about this series that concerns me is I feel like we never play well at Target Field. No, um, we don't. So actually, that's that's that that ballpark's been a little bit of a bugaboo for this team. So that concerns me as well. Yeah, even even when they weren't good, we would still struggle. I the. I remember 2013, I think they swept us, you know, and we went on to win the championship anyway. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a great observation. And I'm just going to say this. I, I'm really annoyed at the, at the day games. You know, you, you wait all winter. I hate spring training. I really do. I, I don't complain because I know it's, it's a milestone and you're that much closer, but it doesn't do a lot for me. And then you finally get to April and it's day games. Like you still don't watch baseball. So, and that stadium's <laughs> like 12 years old. Why didn't they put a roof on it? I just, yeah. they're in Minnesota. That's probably literally the coldest place. It's, it's up there. Yeah, it's, it's hard to get much cold. colder than that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty they're, cold. Yeah. They don't have an ocean to warm them up, you know? They're just insulated in the. <laughs> dead center of the united states right up against the canadian border but yeah so just i wish i could have been in the room when they planned the construction for that stadium but anyway (laughs) enough of my rant on uh target field so uh any final thoughts before we wrap no i was just gonna say i mean the day games for me it doesn't bother me the joys of working from home so, oh, oh, it must be nice. I'm I'm good. Yeah, I'll get to see the entirety of everyone. Yeah, I'm not working tomorrow, so I get to see. Uh, I'll get to see something out of uh, happen Perez. So that should be exciting. I'll be quite vocal tomorrow. I actually PG do have the Thursday game off, but the bad news is it's Garrett Richards. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting free tickets to Fenway, and then oh, spot starter. Yeah. Phillips you're, Valdez you're off is days. You've the... had some real <laughs> You've had some real bad luck with those. You took yeah. the off day for the opener, it gets rained out, and you get an off day and you get you have to watch Garrett Richards. Ooh. I know. The the only reason <laughs> why luck. I have this off day is because it's an every other week rotation and they just forgot to put me on. <laughs> so my oh, nice, uh, there you go. Yeah. Hey, take it. So Enjoy it. I'm good with it. But hopefully uh we'll be a little surprised and not extremely annoyed going into that game based on the other three but but the other good thing is and this will be my final thought we you know it's good to have wins in the bag and that's what we did this series you know we 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 built up a a number of wins and you know those are kind of like insurance wins possibly so so uh we'll kind of ride in there at least three games uh over 500 so all right, guys. Good yeah, show. Definitely. We'll be back next Sunday. So, what series is that? That's the. Uh, oh, is that a Monday? That's going to be a Monday show, I think. It will be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be there. There's Before only like set. yeah. There's only like two or three of those every year, but but apparently we're going to hit one. All good. Quick. We got this. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. We for the listening audience, we will be back on Thursday to cover the twin series. Uh, Andrew will be with me and a guest host to be named later. I've never said that before, but uh, Job is in Las Vegas, so we'll have a fill in for that. So take care, everyone.